Welcome to USPCA Presents, where the largest association for personal chefs brings you speakers, topics, and a bit of fun in this nuanced part of the culinary industry. In this episode, USPCA President speaks with Amanda Richardson of From Scratch LLC, where you'll learn more about personal branding and food photography. Well, good evening, USPCA members. Welcome to our periodic webinars with some exciting information. And I am really excited about tonight's presentation. Uh, we have Amanda Richardson with us, and, and I've been talking with Amanda now for, it seems like forever, um, pretty close to it. Um, but we had some exciting dialogue around personal branding and, and uh, photography coming up on the convention. She's worked with a number of our members, um, just has some, some great, great messaging. And, you know, I'm not going to to suck up a lot of time. I think everybody who got the invitation and accepted tonight and is registered has read the background so she knows what it is and uh, they know what the, know all about you. So it, it's great, Amanda. I think we're in great shape there. Uh, so what I really want to do, I'm going to kind of go into hiding here as I do every one of these that I do and turn it over to you. But I want to remind everybody a couple of housekeeping items before we do is that if you scroll down to the bottom of your screen, you're going to see one thing for Q&A and another for chat. Um, you can place your questions either in Q&A or in chat. Um, and in fact, uh, we start already, so Deb Cantrell says, hi, Amanda. So it works. Um, so as we go along here, I'll be monitoring that. I'm going to let Amanda get through her presentation, and then we'll go ahead and start working on uh, the chat and Q&A. From a process perspective, part one tonight is going to be on personal branding. Part two will be on photography. So it's a great way, I think, to kind of kick off with the personal branding and then you figure out with the photography how to bring that to light. So without further ado, uh, I want to be able to turn this over to Amanda. And I'm, I'm excited. By the way, the one last thing this is what happens when you go live and you don't have a script is, is that Amanda was also supposed to be one of our top presenters at the conference this year. And she has graciously understood why we had to move it to 2021. And I've already cornered her about coming back in 2021. So uh, those of you who are on tonight get a very lucky preview of what we were going to talk about at the conference. So. Uh, Amanda, I've run out of things to remember. I'm turning it back over to you now. Okay, thank you, Larry. <laughs> All right, um, thank you so much for having me. And uh, what I'm gonna do is um, I'm gonna share my screen with everyone so that you can um, follow along. And then at the end of this, you'll get all of the slides. Um, so, we have Larry's face up there still, I think. <laughs> um, People can make that go away. Just reduce the picture. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, I, and I apologize. In my practical joke way at the office, I tend to change my, uh, my photo. And I forgot I did one specifically for COVID. So. Oh, um, that's too funny. <laughs> ignore me. It looks, I, I, I look far worse live. <laughs> All right. So um, the first thing I want to talk about is... Um, personal culinary branding and in order to talk about um in order to and by the way i say um a lot and i sincerely apologize for it so hopefully uh it's not a drinking game because you'll be really drunk by the end <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway um so the first thing that uh, i want to talk about is personal branding itself by itself and what that means to your business and uh the reason that I am such a, a big uh, supporter of personal branding is 
for several different reasons. So the first is that um, personal branding can't be duplicated. Um, in my business, the brand that I've built around myself is that it's about me. So my, I'm a brand name. My name is the brand. And uh, I share not only about my business, but about personal things as well. And there's a fine line there. You don't want to share about yourself. Um, you don't want to share, overshare, I guess is the word I'm looking for. So you don't want to overshare about things, but you also don't want to um, uh, not share anything because then you're not as relatable to your public. Uh, the other thing about personal branding is that it makes you stand out uh, because you are uh, you are the brand and and basically nobody can copy you and as you know in the culinary world it's a very oversaturated market to begin with so it makes you stand out above the others so you know you you talk to a thousand people only about 10% of the people are gonna pull the trigger and do these things that will make a difference so you're gonna stand out above the ones that aren't gonna pull that trigger. It also saves you uh, money, which is a really great thing. Um, mark, personal, personal, brand, uh, mark, personal brand marketing is um, basically going to cost you time as opposed to money. There's a value there that you can't really put a price tag on and it's, better than doing um, shows and it's better than um, doing mass marketing where you're just kind of like putting an ad in a, um, uh, online or you're putting an ad in a paper or anything like that. So it's saving you money, it's saving you, and you're putting in your time and your time is valuable obviously. So um, <clears throat> you're also, um, the last and most important thing <laughs> is that you're going to be uh, seen as genuine. So you're creating an authentic brand because you're sharing about yourself and people are getting to know who you are. And um, hopefully you're understanding that I don't do a ton of personal speaking. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm gonna walk you through now personal culinary branding and there is a difference and uh, the reason for that is that it tells a story. So for culinary branding, um, and I did this when I was a personal chef, um, I share about what food means to me and how it relates to me personally. So I'll tell you a little story about my mom. So. Uh, when I was growing up, my parents divorced when I was about five years old, and um, my parents didn't have the best, you know, divorced relationship ever. However, I always remembered the nice things that my dad would say about my mom, and he would always talk about my mom's eggplant parmesan. My mom couldn't cook to save her life, but she could make the best eggplant parmesan, and this is coming from... Um, an Italian, you know, we, I grew up in a very Italian house. My dad, <clears throat> my dad 
my dad, my grandfather came over from Italy and we were very much in the culture of Italian cuisine and cooking and all of that. So for him to say that this was something that was out of this world, it was saying something. So my mom, um, but I never remembered my mom making it for me. And so <clears throat> very, uh, probably a few years ago, I guess it would have to be four or five years ago now, um, I asked her to make it and, and it was great. And so now just um, fast forward to just recently, um, actually in January of this year, my mom had to go into a, a home, a nursing home. And um, she has uh, severe dementia, so she'll never remember the recipe or anything like that. <clears throat> um, but what happened was um, I was feeling, you know, nostalgic and sentimental, and um, I was doing a shoot for something else, and so decided to use eggplant parmesan as um, just something to, to, for an example for something. And so what I ended up doing, and I'm going to actually show it to you, <laughs> is uh, I, I took the picture and then um, I posted it on, uh, I think I just posted it on something on Facebook. And I just said, you know, it was in honor of my mom. I didn't really tell the story too much at that point. And what happened was people started asking me for the recipe. And so I ended up telling the story. And um, <clears throat> I had already posted some blog posts about, you know, what had happened with her and um, shared that part of my life. Um, so those that followed me already kind of knew some of it, some of the background. So, but it was a way that people really engaged with it. And um, it's actually one of my most popular <laughs> posts on, on my Facebook page. Um, so it just kind of really wraps, it, it gets people to relate to you. It's, it's marketing to them and they don't even know that they're being marketed to. Um, and you as chefs, now I'm not a chef, so you know, I'm just taking the pictures, um, but you as chefs are, um, <clears throat> you're creating that dish and you're wanting to market yourself to sell that food. So you telling a story of your mom, you know, who's sick, someone else's mom is sick as well. And they're relating to that and they're able to, and, and I still actually get a ton of um, a ton of uh, responses when I when I post things about her because um, people can relate to it. So it's definitely something that works. Uh, I will tell you, it takes time to really establish that brand. It it takes time to. Um, for people to start connecting and some things won't catch. So you're going to have some things that you talk about that you think are, you know, funny and hilarious and, um, or that you want it to be part of your personal brand and it's not going to catch. And then there are going to be other little tiny things that catch that just don't make sense to you, but everybody kind of relates to them. So, uh, <clears throat> that being said, what we do is, we're gonna set up um, a personal brand marketing strategy. So in, in order to do that, um, I like Planoly. Uh, if you don't uh, have any type of online management system, 
this is what I use personally. Um, I like it because you can see the grid on the side and I like to have the control over, um, it doesn't, you can auto post with it, but it doesn't automatically, like you can shut that feature off and I shut it off and it will alert me on my phone when it's time to, to um, send out the message. And basically you just do it manually and it, it's a fantastic way to, um, to keep track of things. I just like having more control. <laughs> um, so you can upload with, it's also free. So with the free version, you can upload 30 pictures per month. And um, on top of that, uh, within that, those controls that you can then also post it to your Facebook. So it's, you know, automatically just like Instagram. So I suggest using Planoly, but if you use another management system, obviously just stick with that. Um, my next suggestion is to plan out two posts per week. Now, I have to tell you, I'm not necessarily practicing what I preach all the time. Um, I, can, I can look at it from a big picture point of view a lot better than I can look at it for myself. I always joke with people that I have to hire myself to do my own stuff. Uh, but you should, and you can start even just once a week if that's easier for you. I think right now I'm at once a week. Um, but twice a week, uh, and it doesn't have to, I'm not saying to always do personal. So I'm, I'm suggesting, you know, one post a month that's personal, but two posts per week. Um, and they can relate back, unless you're running a campaign or something, um, they can relate back to this personal message that you're trying to build. So say that you're trying to um, run a campaign for uh, cookies, chocolate chip cookies that your grandmother used to make. And so you want to tell this story and you can break it into parts and tell, you know, each week you can tell a part of this story and build up to that. And then you're not necessarily going to um, run a, a sale for the cookies because people are going to want them so much anyway uh, that they're because of the branding that you've done and the buildup that you've done um, that you're going to then be able to almost increase the price if you really wanted to. Uh, but anyway, you're going to start with two posts per month. I'm kind of getting away from myself. Uh, you're going to like I said, choose an image at least once a month that's personal to you. And actually, I say um, probably about once a month, you want to put a, per a picture of your face. You want people to see your face. And you'd be surprised, I bet if you go back through your feed, um, if you've posted pictures of your face, you probably get a lot more likes and responses to those than you do to ones that don't include some kind of personal content. Um, even as photographers in photography groups I'm a part of, we, we all talk about how, how interesting that is because uh, of course I'm connected with a lot of wedding photographers and you know they show these beautiful epic photos of weddings and everything and they're like and the biggest you know comments I got were the the pictures of me and my little baby or, or whatever the case may be so um, but you as culinary in the culinary world you really have an advantage because you can use 
your food to, to also tell a story. So you really have an advantage there. Uh, <clears throat> and again, I just talked about this. Other images throughout the month um, should be either built around showing off your food or your client experience. And I know right now that's a little bit of a challenge. So, you know, um, do what you can there. And um, I would say um, if you are building up to launching something, uh, I would honestly try to build all of your posts around that for the month. If it's something that's, you know, if you're really trying to ramp up to something, the more um, information people get and the more you show up, the better it is. Um, the other thing I didn't say, but it was on the slide there, is that, um, and this is from the experts, this is not me being a social media manager or anything, but I have heard that it is better to post your, um, your social media information regularly and at the same time. So if you're doing it on, you know, Mondays at 4 p.m., always do it on Mondays at 4 p.m. and it does help build that SEO and it helps all those technical things in the background that go on. Um, the most important thing is to maximize the content and the reason for this is obvious. And um, we're gonna talk a lot, you know, next about pictures and everything else, but um, you really wanna maximize um, quality content. So take time to take the pictures, take time to think out uh, the posts and take time to, to map it out and take a moment to look at that planally because it gives you the grid so you can see what it's gonna look like when, once, once everything's posted um, so that you can make sure that everything's flowing nicely and you don't have any craziness you know, in your grid. Um, don't be afraid to delete things out of your grid. Uh, these, those are probably the top, um, not being able, afraid to delete things is a big one actually. Uh, I go through mine occasionally and delete things and I hate doing it because sometimes you do have comments or you have likes or whatever um, and you can just archive them. You don't necessarily have to delete them completely. Um, and then anything crazy, you can always put in your story and then put on your highlight too. So don't forget that you have those features as well. And you have stories in Facebook as well. I'm not really as familiar with stories on Facebook. Um, I don't use them as much, but um, Sorry. Uh, so if you have any questions about personal branding, we're going to kind of take a moment and just answer any questions you might have. And then um, I don't know, Larry, if you can. I'll, I'll, I'll kick back in here. We have a couple questions, but okay. if I could, you know, kind of starting off, I, I actually have one. I was thinking as you were talking, Amanda, you know, the whole personal side of personal chef, it's, it's, it's a lot different than when you're in a commercial environment where perhaps the stories and the pictures, you know, tend to swirl around a facility, you know, certain kind of food, um, but you never get real personal about it. And I was thinking as you were talking, particularly as people are thinking about, 
you know, the, the next thing they're going to launch where they get ready, that, that with everybody in this, this COVID time and people in different phases of their business and now potentially while things are getting ready to open up, a lot of people have been doing some volunteer work and have been doing some creative things in their community. Is there value in posting that and getting some good pictures? And, and, and should you be in those? Is, does it come across as self-serving if you're in those pictures? How, how, do, you, how do you present that? Oh, I don't, I don't think it's self-serving at all. I think um, showing that you're reaching out to your community is fantastic. Um, and it shows, again, that personal, you can't, I always keep that in mind, is you can't duplicate um, yourself. Nobody can, someone can copy you, someone else can post about how they're volunteering, but it's not the same thing as you're, you're doing. So, and being in the pictures, I think it's great to post something, again, I keep and I keep my feed um, a little bit more curated in terms of what you're putting on the feed as opposed to what you're putting in the stories. And again, um, so like a, a just a quick snapshot selfie of you and someone and you're helping and this is great. Um, I think that's a great thing for a story. And then if you want to keep it and say, here's all my volunteer work work and put it on your um, highlight. I think that's a great way to utilize that content because all your volunteer stuff is right there. Um, and then keeping your feed, not necessarily to say you wouldn't put a picture of yourself, but, you know, having more thoughtful pictures in there. Sure. That's great. Thank you. I have a couple of questions. Kathy, Chef Kathy asks, can you elaborate on oversharing in terms of personal branding? What would be a good example of that? Oversharing would probably be like, um, uh, you know, like my dishes aren't done, you know, more like complaining, I think is more, is more that, um, you don't want to come across like you're just telling everybody like everything about your life. You know, it's not that you don't want to like create, you know, you're trying to be authentic. So there's that fine line, but you also don't want to be like, my dishes aren't done and my kids are a mess. And, you know, I haven't taken a shower in three days. You know, like, like there's certain things that you want to still be professional, you know. You're going over the personal deep end in essence. Yeah. Yeah. You want to be a, um, you want to be personally professional. Like that would be a good That's thing. the best way to put it. Yeah. Kathy, I hope that answers the question for you. Um, Chef Mandy asks, hello, Amanda. You talked about your name being the name of your business, and that's your personal brand. How does it work when your name is not part of your business name? How do you personalize this? How do you develop the brand in this situation? And thank you very much for your reply. Yes, so um, that's a, actually a fantastic question because I struggled really hard. Actually, I've struggled just during this, so she's so long. I've struggled really hard um, keeping my name as the brand name because there's a part where it depends how you're going to scale your business. And um, if you're going to scale your business to be um, – uh, more than just you, you know, you're, you're going to be multifaceted. And although you're a personal chef, you're going to have this over here and you're going to do dinner, dinner parties over here and, and all of that. So that's a great question. And the way I would answer it is you're still the CEO. You're still the brand. 
um, you can still be your own personal brand and you can still, you're the um, moral compass, moral center of your business. So you're going to be uh, sharing, you know, about your life and your family. It's still going to attract people. It's still going to be relatable and authentic. And you're going to probably incorporate your interactions with your staff more. That's where I think that would come in is you're going to be more personal in relating to how to relate to your staff and how your staff can um, share as well. So, but you want to be careful with that. <laughs> like you want, you don't want to be encouraging your staff to be sharing personally if they don't know how to do it properly. <laughs> Cause that goes back to the oversharing. <laughs> That's okay. Cause I just got a note from, a, from some of our, one of our staffers that everyone's looking at my news. So my apologies for that. <laughs> I, was, I didn't have my own video up, so my own fault. Um, so next question, Chef Joel. How do you decide what to place on a feed story? Uh, so again, the feed for me is a little bit more curated, meaning it's like, so the pictures that we're going to talk about taking, if you're taking your time and it's a good picture and you've edited it, that would go in your feed. So it's also you want to be remembering that you're, you're adding content to those pictures too. So um, people are using Instagram now as like mini blog posts because people do read them. And if you catch someone's attention with a picture and then you're, you're offering some content in there that's valuable or relatable, um, you know, you're basically mini blogging to people. And um, so it's what you want to say about the image or it's how you want to relate to people. That's what you're putting in your feed in terms of what you're putting in your stories. That's more, I would say of the day to day personal like selfies or, or, you know, my dog's being goofy or something like that. Um, you don't necessarily want that in your feed because if you think about a client landing on your feed, that, that's where they're going to go. They're not going to necessarily go to your story right away because they might not be connected to you. Um, but they're going to go to your feed and see what you've been doing. Welcome to working from home. I'm sorry. And you get the background noise when you work from home. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the, the, that's what is going on your feed is that you're, you're offering a lot more content. It's more business related, but it's relatable content. And I know it's a fine line and I'm, I'm kind of blurring those lines for you, but there is a technique to it <laughs> and it works really well when you, when you perfect it. Perfect. Chef Shirley has a great question. It says, what if your name is in your brand, but you have scaled up so that the staff does a lot of the work? you add them to the personal information? Um, yes, I would say you can add them to the personal information. I think um, maybe talk with Chef Deb because she might have some help for them in terms of maybe needing to change the name too. Um, I, I would say that, um, yeah, you want to relate to your staff. You want to share about your staff. More you want to share about relating to your staff. I wouldn't say you want to be sharing personal things about your staff. Um, I think that's, you're only going to share about yourself because you're the person, you're the CEO, you're the person that's in charge of it all and you want to be relatable to people. 
So I think um, having your, your name in your brand is, it's a, it's a fine line. It's difficult. It's hard to get people excited about working with someone that isn't you when you're the name. So that's when you've scaled up. Sometimes you have to think about rebranding. It, it is a piece, and I'm, as you're saying that, I was thinking back to, to my days working for Disney. And you know, Walt Disney was dead long before I got there. So we were all some personification of who Walt Disney was. But the likenesses and the stories, you know, running Disney Institute, the stories we told were all built on what Walt talked about. And so keeping that original name, you know, the Walt Disney Company, you know, keeping the Walt Disney alive. You know, and I think that's the piece of it too. And, and you tell me if I'm wrong on this, but when we talk about even your, your name isn't in your brand, brand is more than just the name, right? It's, 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 we always used to say touching the hearts and minds of, of your customers and your employees and yourself. And so I think that's why this becomes so powerful because these personal stories are doing just that. So even if your name's not in the brand, um, the brand being, you know, in this particular case is much bigger than that. It's not in the, it's not in the name of the company. But the brand by itself is touching everybody. Do you, would you agree with that? Yeah, it's the, it's the value of, uh, it's your values, it's your business values, it's your business mission, it's everything all combined into one. I would say, I would absolutely agree with that because um, you're like the umbrella over everything else. Yep. And just, you know, Chef Jacob asked a question, but it's really more along the lines of what we're doing and some things in COVID. So I'm going to answer that one separately while you're on your next presentation. So Chef Jacob, just bear with me for a moment and I'll type in my answer. Um, but I think, let me make sure that covers our questions for this session. And then, oh, wait a minute, we have more. Okay, uh, one other thing I wanted to, uh, just dawned on me and speaking about COVID is this is a great time to kind of build your personal brand, to be honest with you, because you have the time, you're, you know, if you're not working with clients right now, it's a great time because it does take time it you know i mean i'm talking like it takes a good solid six months to really build up enough to you know connect with people and have them start interacting about different things about yourself um blogging plays a huge role in that it, i didn't touch on that here because you know we have limited time but it's something that um i talk a lot about when i work with clients so perfect and Chef Beverly asked, is personal branding one main product that you provide or is the name of the business? Or is it just the name of the business? Um, I don't think I understand that question. No, I'll read it exactly. And then Chef Beverly wants to write a clarification. I'll get her to push this in here. But it says, is personal branding one main product that you provide or the name of the business? So I think she's looking at the name Amanda Richardson and asking, um, is that personal branding just the product or... Is it the, do you do more than just the personal branding? And I think that's what we're getting ready to go. Well, I, I'm actually a photographer. Yeah. So I'm a photographer and I have wrapped in, I've, I've actually taken a lot of um, classes before I even started this journey. <laughs> I started taking a lot of business classes and a lot of um, marketing and, and understanding um, and I have a degree in business, but that, of course, doesn't help you after all these years, right? <laughs> the whole world has changed, so I feel like I needed to re-educate myself, you know. Um, but, uh, no, I'm a photographer 
by trade. And then I wrap in personal culinary branding to how I work with clients. And I actually changed things a little bit during this time because it was time to take a breath and look at everything. And I found that I was actually with a lot of my clients doing this anyway. So I ended up making it part of my entire photography experience. So I work with everyone now that works with me does personal branding too. So. Well, perfect. I think that covers our questions for this session, but you have more. I do. So at this, I'm, I'm turning the screens back over to you. Okay. I'll put my weird COVID picture back up and uh, <laughs> I'll be back when it comes time for Q&A. Okay, perfect. All right. Switch the... All right. So we're going to talk about um, iPhotos now. So the first thing you're going to do is download the Lightroom app. And the reason that uh, we're going to use this app, and you don't have to do it right now, but um, just so that you know, um, this is the type of app that um, Lightroom is actually what we use to edit photos as photographers for the most part. And um, uh, I pretty much will use this uh, app whenever I'm taking, if, I'm, if I have to take a picture with my phone, which to be honest with you, it's been a long time. Um, I did, uh, I created a guide that I've actually incorporated into these slides. And um, so when I created the guide, I had to go back and actually relearn how to use this. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, so we're gonna download this app. So everything that I talk about on here is going to, um, be based off of this app. So just so you, that you know that it is a free app. You can download it um, with iPhone or Android. Uh, it should be seamless. So, um, so the first thing uh, that we're going to talk about is uh, setting up your scene. So the first and foremost, make sure you have time. So because even even I do it some I mean I'm guilty of it sometimes like uh, if I'm just trying to take something quick you know and I mean nothing that I would post but if I'm sending it to my husband or something because he's overseas so I, I show him what I've been making or something um, I'll take a quick picture and if you don't have if you don't give yourself time to take a picture um, it'll come out like crap just honest. <laughs> um, the other thing you want to make sure of is that you have um, a lot of natural light. Uh, you want to turn off your overhead lighting and you want to turn off your flash. Don't ever use your flash. And um, the reason for the um, not using a flash is because everything will look washed out and very flat. And um, it, it's very unappealing. It can be have a gray or yellow tone to it, depending on what other kind of lighting you have going on. So anyway, just stay away from um, your flash and your overhead uh, lights. Um, you can even take it outside. So either by a window or you can go outside in, in a shaded area. You want diffused natural light. And what I mean by diffused is 
I actually, it's a perfect example. I was just about to close the shades and then I knew I was going to be saying this. So, um, so you can see on my face here, there's like really harsh, this is harsh light and then I've got a shadow. So you can see the difference. Um, you don't want to have harsh shadows coming across um, your, your food or anything that you're trying to take a picture of. Um, it, and now I need to close these because it's blinding me. <laughs> Um, so, I'm so sorry, uh, <clears throat> but natural light is much whiter, so you're, you always want that white balance, and we'll talk a little bit more about that as well. So the light that I have here on, beside me is, is much more yellow, and of course the shade, the light lampshade will make the lighting yellow as well. So your natural light, you want to diffuse it if you can with a curtain. That's even better, you know, a white sheer curtain. Um, sometimes you can even like, you know, makeshift something. You can put a white tablecloth over um, your window if you can do something like that. That's even better. Um, and you want to diffuse, diffuse, diffuse so that you're not getting any harsh shadows. Uh, it's first and foremost. Um, lighting is basically the number one thing with taking any kind of photo. Um, if you remember anything or, or, you know, just taking any photo of you or yourself or anything, <clears throat> just remember that lighting is key. Uh, the other thing about lighting is where you're going to position yourself. Some of this isn't on the slide because I'll start rolling and I can talk about it forever. So, um, <clears throat> So the next thing is positioning to the light. So when you're taking a picture, and let's say that you do have um, a little bit of harsh light, uh, but it's not too bad, and you want to get in front of it. So what I mean by that is you want the shadow to be facing you. So I have um, the light is here, and um, this is my plate of food. And so I would take the picture from here so that the shadow is, is facing me or maybe a little to the side so you're catching a little bit of glow on the side. Um, and that's why we diffuse the light um, and, and dull it down basically because when we do that, um, we're not blowing out the back, we call it blowing out the background. So we're not overexposing the background with all the light and then the, the dish would look dark. Um, so as much diffused and you always want the shadow to be facing you. So even if you're taking a picture of your, your child outside, if you're standing outside and you wanna get a good picture um, and it's harsh daylight out, you want to have them face their shadow and take a picture. Just a little extra tip. Um, so the next thing is um, controlled setting. Um, and then let's see, did we go through all of this? Uh, okay, so setting it up, <clears throat> we're going to want a uh, tablecloth, some kind of texture in the background. So when we're talking about anything um, in the background, you're going to put your plate on a wooden surface, um, a cement. Cement is actually, to be honest with you, it's a great surface because cement is white and it's reflective. So um, that's a great way to get a bright photo. 
and it's textured. So kind of get the both all the greatness of all the worlds. Um, <clears throat> now, if you're going to use a lighter background, you're going to want to use a darker plate to have that contrast. But we'll talk about color contrast. Um, and then finally, you want to stay away from your reflective surfaces. So what I mean by this is not only a stainless steel countertop, but also um, your silverware, um, plates, that type of thing. You want to use as much matte as you can. So, um, and when I talk about silverware, I mean, obviously, if you're going to have silverware in the photo, you know, just try to strategically place it so that you're not catching um, either the light or the reflection of the phone. So that's a big one. Okay. So style. Um, and I'm really just going to do basics here because, you know, we can get pretty complicated with this stuff and I don't feel like that's the best use of your time. I feel like if you can apply these few things that I'm going, and you'll get these um, slides at the end so that you can, um, you know, use them at your leisure. And so I don't feel like it's the best use of your time to get really super detailed, but if you can at least apply what I'm teaching here, um, and of course, if you have any questions, I'm happy to answer emails, um, then this will at least get you the basics and get you something to put into Instagram feed and, and have fun with. So um, the first thing you're going to do when you're styling up your plate is um, to use um, uh, like plate your dish less than you normally would. Now you're going to use a smaller plate than you normally would. So this plate here is actually a, a salad plate. And then um, I've, you know, it's a very, and you'll see it in the next slide. Um, <clears throat> but it's, there's not a lot going on on the plate. You know, you don't want a ton going on. Um, and you're going to want to contrast your backgrounds. Now, in this image, I have a textured napkin, I have a wood background, but they're not colored because I have a tremendous amount of color going on in, in the dish. So you don't want, um, you know, <laughs> you really don't want uh, both going on. So I actually, I'll be honest with you, I think when I was taking this photo, and I took this with my phone, um, I used a green to try to pull the green and it did not work. Um, now keep in mind when you do use a color of any kind, so if you're gonna use, say this was a, um, I don't know, a piece of like pork loin or something, it's more brown. And so you're gonna use a color pop for a napkin or something. Say you're, for whatever reason, you're using red or bright pink, those tones are gonna, like a white plate is gonna suck the color of those tones in. So you're definitely not going to, um, you're gonna have a lot more editing problems. So it's best to use kind of dull, again, matted, muted colors um, to contrast things. Um, you want to, um, allow the sauces to naturally spill over. It's really, it's really difficult to get to strategically make something look natural, if that makes sense. So you don't want to be, um, 
uh, as careful as you think you might want to be um, when you're drizzling sauce or, or something. And I know it's really, really nerve wracking when you have something that you, it's like a one and done. So again, this is where you want to have as much time as possible to do something like that. Um, in terms of things spilling over, I was just caught what I wrote there. Um, yeah, I was actually, this plate was covered in um, red watery sauce. It looked terrible. Um, so I was constantly absorbing the, um, the watery red with a paper towel and then wiping it. So you're always going to want to like clean off whatever you can underneath <clears throat> to make it look as clean as possible. Uh, and again, choosing simple tableware and dishes. Um, most likely you have a lot of white on hand, or if not, you know, whatever you have. Um, this plate is rather reflective. This is not a matte color plate, um, but um, I would suggest using matte, you know, <clears throat> not as shiny um, flatware as possible. Um, you can also layer, so layering gets a little bit more detailed, but um, you could have like a charger underneath this and that's where you could have um, a little bit more color pop and forget the napkin or, you know, you, I mean, you can play with it and have fun with it. Um, okay, so next is um, styling and we're gonna, um, and the reason I'm using this picture here is just to show, um, I call it the yum factor. <laughs> um, this shows like your eye obviously immediately goes to the drizzling frosting in the middle. And that's, you know, we're focusing on that. Um, I could have actually cropped this in so that, you know, on Instagram or something, if you were trying to really um, focus on, you know, your trying to focus on selling the frosting or something like that, then you could crop that in completely and make it just um, about the frosting itself. And that's, yeah, people really respond to stuff like that. The reason I didn't crop it is just to show you a little bit more about color. Um, so the, so this is, and this I did not take with my phone. <laughs> um, but the reason that this photo works with the dark on dark is because of the powdered sugar. And so if I didn't have the powdered sugar to contrast the, the black, because it's a black background um, and a black cake, it, if I didn't have that white to go with the white frosting, it, it would not work. The, it would completely blend in, the red would look silly. Um, I also wanted to show you that the plates kind of pull in the color. If I actually had to reshoot this picture, I'll be honest with you, I would push those plates closer um, because uh, it's always bugged me about this picture. Um, but it, pull, it, it helps bring the picture together. There's also a little teeny tiny bit of color in the background as well. Um, and so it helps kind of keep your eye, it's like that diagonal that we talk about in photography, the lines in photography. And so this is along the diagonal. So it keeps your eye, um, it's pleasing to the eye. So capturing the color contrast, um, but it's not a lot of color. So that was the other thing I'm trying to um, 
you know, highlight there is that we don't want a ton of color. We don't want a ton going on in the picture. You just want it as simple as possible. Um, and um, it makes it a lot more pleasing to the eye. <clears throat> okay, so this is the picture that I actually took of the, this is the iPhone collection. Um, so this is the picture that I actually took. So I'm gonna start you off by just saying, first of all, clean your lens on the camera. Um, if you don't really think about it when you're taking a picture, um, I know I don't think about it very much, but it's actually pretty important because our hands are all over it all the time. Uh, you also want to know where your camera lens is. So um, when you're taking a picture, especially when you're doing a straight on, um, you may not realize, you know, like that you're tipping it. And sometimes you have absolutely no choice but to tip it a little bit because of the, you know, where you're seated or the angle that the, the food is at. Um, there's nothing saying that you cannot flip the camera over and take it that way. Uh, and you can definitely do that in that light room. So I actually suggest that for flat on pictures because it makes things a lot easier. Now this is what we call a flat lay that you're looking at. Uh, and that's when we're going overhead. Um, and I'm going to explain to you how to use this app in just a minute, but I want to go through just the basics first. Um, so before I go there, I'm getting ahead of myself. So the daylight is coming from up here. We've got the wood surface. I purposefully took this photo like this. So it's very blue. Um, you can see the reflection, which, so you can see that it's the reflective plate. Um, it's a salad plate and um, the textured napkin. So these are all the things that I was mentioning in the last slide. And so um, in a flat lay, I guess we need to skip over. Um, we have something called grid lines. So I don't have it here in this snapshot. I don't know why I didn't take it that way, but um, you want to make sure that a flat lay is flat. <laughs> so you could take, I've seen a lot of pictures that, you know, you're attempting to do it flat on and you're actually angled and you don't realize it. And it's very easy to do. I mean, you can very easily do that with a, a DSLR camera as well. Um, so the grid lines really help with balance. Um, so you can, it, it will come across here, here, and then here and here. So you're gonna have um, nine boxes. And um, it's also something called the rule of thirds. So this is not, um, this is a centered picture, um, but the rule of thirds is actually something like this. So we've got a third, a third, and a third of the picture, and your eye goes to the last third of the picture. Um, so the um, red lines help you to recognize that. Um, taking a picture and having it off to the side is actually more pleasing to the eye. Um, so keeping that in mind when you've got those good lines up and you're, and you're setting up your flat lay, you can actually shift it over and you can follow those grid lines and pull yourself in 
Now you can do like what I did here and I just crop the whole thing. So sometimes it's better to crop because then you have more control over it. Um, another little, just one little tip. Um, if you're shooting for Instagram story, um, there is an aspect ratio. And so if you go to these three little dots, I'm sorry, I don't have a picture of this. But if you go to these three little dots here, it pulls a little menu and it will um, say aspect ratio. And if you go to 16 point or 16, nine, it's like 16 colon nine. Um, that's for an Instagram story. So if you're specifically planning to use that for an Instagram story, you, it, you won't have to crop it or anything. It'll be perfectly shot and ready to go. Um, for, um, the, for anything else, I would suggest just shooting it in an aspect ratio of 3.2, and that's usually the default anyway. So this little button here for taking notes um, is, will pull up the aspect ratio, and you can um, select, there are actually quite a few that you can select, and you can play with it. Um, one thing I wanted to note while we're talking about um, the different modes is, on iPhone, on iPhone, sorry, <laughs> um, uh, on iPhone, the um, portrait mode is um, <clears throat> kind of like um, having a, um, and if you're at all familiar with photography, it's, it's your aperture. So it's basically how things look blurry in the background in a, um, in a picture and more clear up front. So portrait mode can do that for you if you're looking to do something like that. Um, Lightroom does not have this um, capability, but it is something I wanted to mention. I've used it a few times and I actually, I like it for certain things. It, it does basically tell you how far to stand away, but it isn't a true aperture. So it's only it's like a mask. It's like putting on a mask on the photo. And so if you use it, keep in mind that things like straws or drinks that um, ha are clear in the background, um, sometimes they can look like they disappear completely. So just be careful when, if you, if you play with that. Um, that isn't a, you know, a true thing. Um, okay, so next um, you want to shoot in DNG. And again, um, that's right here. And this little menu here would actually tell you. Um, and uh, sorry. Um, you want to use your um okay so here when you pull down i think i need to pull this up from my phone i'm so sorry um just so i can see i sorry i didn't print a slide for this one um so if you go to i'm going to show you on here so i don't know if you can see it but if you do the pull down here it will tell you there's automatic, professional, and high dynamic range. I've never used high dynamic range. Um, automatic is basically gonna be like using your camera phone, so, or your iPhone. 
So go always select professional so that you can play with it. And then um, you're going to go to um, exposure and the exposure, you can actually expose your picture. Or, so see how white it is and then how dark it is. So that's basically all that does. Um, I suggest um, if you're going to play with anything, you're going to play with your white balance or your exposure. Um, your ISO, um, that's a professional thing. And that is going to, that has to do with the light as well. And the light um, is, uh, so what happens if you increase your ISO, you're going to be letting in more light to your picture but it's gonna become more grainy. So you have to keep that in mind when you're, um, when you are, I'm so sorry, my dog is gonna ruin my work. <laughs> I am so sorry. Well, welcome um, to the world of working from home. <laughs> I'm so sorry, she was driving me crazy. <laughs> um, Okay, so your ISO um, is going to uh, let in more light. So if you increase your ISO, um, it's going to let in more light. But once you take the picture, it's going to be a lot more grainy the higher the ISO goes. So my suggestion is to keep that on auto for you guys. Uh, the other thing that you can um, play with is the white balance. And I do suggest doing that. And this has little pictures, so when you pull it up, um, when you touch your white balance there, you can see that there's just little pictures. And so one's like, if it's sunny, if it's cloudy, if you're inside, if you're outside. Um, but the other thing that you can do is there's a little dropper there. And so what you do with this box that shows up if you're in a still setting, this is not for anything that's like in action or anything, but if you're in a still setting, you can actually find a very neutral. So what I would have done here is probably um, focused on the, the beige napkin there because it's a pretty neutral tone. And you just click the checkbox at the bottom. And that's gonna actually set your white balance for that picture. And that's gonna tell the camera that, um, that that's, that's the type of balance that it should be taking a picture within. Um, and again, we can edit this later, but it's great to have a good base starting point. Um, the only other thing on here that I would um, want to talk about are your seconds, and it's kind of like your shutter speed. And unless you're doing something that you're pouring, you know, you're like pouring a pitcher of water or something into a glass. Or that's the only time I would suggest even playing with that. Um, again, this, has, this is gonna have to do with light as well. So your seconds, if you increase your seconds, it's gonna be a faster shutter speed, so it'll be able to capture that picture faster. However, um, the, um, it's gonna let in less light, so you're not gonna have as much light. So you would have to increase your exposure in order to get um, the brightness back in. So there's a balancing app going on. So I suggest starting at auto for everything. Now, 
if you start playing with all these settings and then you figure out, you know, oh my gosh, my picture is going to look like it's like neon red or something. Um, that's why God invented reset. <laughs> so the reset button is here. And all you have to do is click reset. And um, again, no flash. So make sure your flash is off. And I don't know if I spoke about DNG, but DNG is the is equivalent to raw. So a raw image is what uh, as photographers we shoot in in our cameras. And it gives us a lot more control over lighting and coloring when we're editing. So when you're taking a picture in DNG, it's basically Lightroom's raw version. Um, it's going to take up a little more space on your cam on your camera roll in terms of file size. So if you have that concern, then switch it to J JPEG. You can either do DNG or JPEG on here. But other than that, I would say just leave it on DNG. Um, because you're going to have more control when you start editing a photo. Um, so I think that was it on that. So now we're going to move into editing. All right. So after you take a picture of anything that you're going to put on your on your feed, and like that question was asking, like what you would put on your feed. Anything that you're going to put on your feed, I would suggest make sure you edit. Like if you haven't edited it and it's not, um, pretty much everything needs to be edited um, for the most part. I mean, as photographers, we edit everything that comes off our camera. So um, white balance is huge. So again, this is the first thing that you want to adjust. And this is another eyedropper yellow. So what you're going to do is just take the little eyedropper. And what white balance is doing is it's adjusting the temperature and the tint. So as soon as you click this, it's going to, in the middle, it's going to show up this circle with the checkbox. And you just take your finger and you slide around until you find a neutral color. So the most neutral color here is actually on the plate. And so when I say neutral, I'm, I really tell you to lean more towards the gray because even beige has a little bit of color in it. So anything with color, it's going to change it. So, um, and it's going to throw it to the opposite color, if that makes sense. So find the most neutral gray spot you can find and check it. And then if you have, um, if you have to come down here and adjust these, you still can. So the, the cooler you're going to go, so you're going to, if you go more towards blue, you're going to get a more blue picture. This one, remember, had a ton of blue in it. So we're actually going more towards the yellow to pull out that blue. Um, if you are going to shoot in a situation where you have a choice of blue or yellow, go more towards the blue because you can always warm the picture back up a lot easier than you might be able to take out some of the yellow. Just something to keep in mind. Um, the tint, if if I were personally just, if I wasn't using this dropper, I wouldn't touch the tint unless I had to. Um, so if you're just playing, I would first start just playing with that slider. And I mean, you can slide these all the way back and forth just to see how ridiculous they would look. And it gives you a really good uh, baseline sense of what you don't want it to look like. Um, Okay, so 
Next, we're gonna go, and so because this is pasta, so this is a pasta dish, because it is, pasta always captures a little bit more yellow than it actually is. So the first thing that I do when I take picture of pasta is I desaturate the yellow out of it. And I do quite a bit <clears throat> up front. And then you can always use it back in. Um, what you can also do is take some of the saturation out and use this luminance. And luminance, you're only going to want to go two or three over or two or three under, um, depending on what the picture is. But what the luminance does is it's going to darken whatever yellow saturation you have. So if you have taken out some of this yellow and you like it, but it's almost like too washed out, but you don't want to put more yellow into it, you can deepen the tone of the yellow and you're going to slide it down. So you're going to give it like a negative number like this one. Um, so that's what you would do with the colors. Now you can select this for each color if you wanted to um, do something with the green. So for like the weasel or Percy, whatever that is on there. Um, if you wanted to do that, um, you would do the same thing. Just play with that saturation first. Um, hue is a little bit more tricky, so you can play with that, but um, really if you just stuck with saturation and luminance, you're good. <laughs> um, greens can come out and look very neon. So a lot of times what I will do is, I won't even um, adjust the saturation, but because I still want it to look green, um, I just want to bump down the luminance and make it a darker green so it looks deeper and richer. So those are just some things to keep in mind there. Uh, okay, so the next thing that you're going to want to do, and you can, you can swap these two, like you can do lighting first and then play with the colors. Um, it will really be based on preference. Um, but the next thing you would do is your, your light. So your exposure, your contrast, your highlights. When you're taking pictures of food, it's different, or editing pictures of food, it's different than editing pictures of people. Um, because, you know, obviously you wouldn't want to make somebody look more green than right? So, um, So it's actually very tricky to go from editing food to editing people. So we're just talking about food here, of course. But um, your exposure, is um, is your light basically so i bumped this exposure up on this um picture quite a bit and of course i took this picture out on purpose um, so there wasn't a ton so this is just the raw you know image straight out of camera and um all i did here was adjust the um temp and tint so when I'm bumping up to the plus 77, um, I'm going to then take out the highlights. So it's going to brighten the image, but this right here, the highlight or the reflection on that plate is going to overexpose with it. So we're going to need to pull out some of those highlights. And so with food pictures, you want to pull out your highlights, a, a lot of them. Um, and you can, of course, slide them back and forth and see what it looks like to play with it. But you want to pull out the highlights um, as much as possible. Um, 
And I don't suggest playing with contrast until after you've lit up your picture, for lack of a better term. Um, you want to light up this picture, and then you want to add in the darkness and the contrast and all that. So you're going to do the exposure and the lighting first, get your colors down, get everything kind of baseline, and then you're going to add in the pop. Um, so then this is still on that lighting icon and I've just scrolled down. So, um, highlights are above, uh, shadows here. And so I pulled out, um, the highlights by sliding it back and then I'm lifting out some of the shadows by bumping this up. So I'm, um, basically, <clears throat> um, so see how like dull and the shadows are there we've like brightened it right up right so i've taken all the light um if i didn't if i hadn't pulled out the highlights you wouldn't see uh you would see this even more overexposed here um so i don't typically play with whites too much but this um picture in particular with the white plate it needed a little bit more light um but i do play with um, blacks to add in pop. So, and I play with contrast. Um, in this picture, I didn't add a lot of contrast because it didn't really need it, but I did add blacks. And um, the blacks are, you know, it's going to be very minimal and you have to really train your eyes to see. Um, but see how all of this, this is all kind of blacks in and under, right? And see there's kind of a harsh shadow here this is the shadow not all shadows are bad so don't walk away from this thinking that all shadows are bad because sometimes it adds to the photo to have shadows as well um but you don't want them to be um you don't want them to take away from the picture itself um so <coughs> so light up your picture Fix your colors just a little bit and then add your pop. Uh, because the, the pop, I call it the pop, like the blacks and the contrast, that's all going to, um, it brings the picture all together. Um, so this is, this is how it looks after we've just edited it. Then um, we move into cropping. So I actually suggest cropping your images, especially um, when it's just a dish like this, like this is just, yeah, that's nice, but you know, like it's just a plate, it looks like a plate of spaghetti, you know? Um, but once you crop it and you get, um, and you really zero in on what you're trying to capture, um, this image says a lot more to me than something flat like this. Um, this image, it um, also follows the rule of thirds because you've got the third of the image, that's the main focal point and it's more pleasing to the eye. Um, and you can see this shadow here that, you know, that actually adds to the image. This shadow here, these add a little bit to the image. They're not bad, so don't walk away thinking that, I so said don't, don't ever have a shadow on your plate. Um, that's not really what I meant. It's just, you just don't want those harsh shadows from like a, the sunlight literally pouring in at three o'clock in the afternoon and you just have this like <clears throat> black, you know, on the plate. That's what you don't want. But you just want to add some interest to your um, dish 
a little bit of shadow does help. Um, so that is um, pretty much walking through how to take an edit. And I know I kind of like, I can kind of go all over the place because I have so many things in my head to offer you. <laughs> um, but I don't want to get too detailed and um, I really don't want to over explain things because I don't think it's the best use of your time to try to learn everything about, you know, a can you know, taking a picture with your phone of food. So you ready for Q and A, or do you have some more to show? Nope, we're good. So one thing I want to remind everybody that was uh, Amanda jammed a lot because she knew we had some tight time frames in there. This is being recorded, and uh, we'll be posting it in the next day or so. So the great thing is you'll be able to go vote, take your time, look at those screenshots, think how you plug it in, and what you can do. Um, one thing Amanda you mentioned was uh, HDR. And it's kind of funny you mentioned that because I've used it on my iPhone when I'm too lazy to edit. And uh, it's high dynamic range, same as you get on your 4K HDR TVs. And what it does when you shoot a picture, it takes two pictures, three pictures actually, and then blends it to get the perfect. And it doesn't do a bad job. But you do need to go into the settings in your phone to adjust that. Because what will happen is if you leave it on, it'll start saving a whole bunch of pictures and suck up a whole bunch of your memory. So you want to be cautious with that. What'd you say? That's not PNG, though. No, that's not PNG. That's HDR. You had mentioned okay. HDR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. yeah. Use it. It, that is a pain. I had mine on that by accident before. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So let me go through and find out where we left off on questions, and we'll start picking them up again. Um, Chef Kathy just asked, wonder if there's a reason you didn't show some of the photos in your slide presentation. But I think that was very early in the presentation, and we certainly saw plenty of that. So we got it there. Jeff Mandy says, Amanda, what software do you recommend to edit and splice together a series of video clips and make them into a little short movie? So in essence, what is your go-to video editing uh, transition or editing software? I'm looking for some nice little effects to transition and to help with splicing the frames together and we're cutting out scenes I do not want in the video. Also would love to have voiceover and some music to truly tell the story. Thank you again for your thoughts. Um, I'm not a videographer, I'm definitely not a videographer, but um, I've actually done this uh, for someone just recently in, in your group. Um, I'm a Mac girl, so I use iMovie. Um, it's a really simple program. That's really all I can um, say on video stuff, um, is I, I, use, I use anything Apple I use. <laughs> well, and I would say, see, I'm not a videographer, but I also use iMovie and... Uh, just, I'm not gonna put it up here because we got a lot of questions to go through, but I, on my day-to-day -day life, I do a lot of stuff when I'm playing around with Zoom just to keep all the other team entertained. And I actually took a little quick video shot of myself in, in the home office with the phone okay. sitting in front of my, I showed it to you, yeah. And so it looks like I'm actually sitting in my office and then all of a sudden while I'm on these conversations like this, you see me open up the door behind me and just wave at the camera. I told my husband up. about that. <laughs> I told my husband that you did that. <laughs> so if, anybody, if we have enough time at the end, I'll throw that up there as my background. You can see how we did that. So uh, Chef Kathy says, as to that, you know, seeing some of your work now, nice. So she, we did address that. Uh, Chef Karen says, typically as personal chefs doing a weekly cook day for clients, 
you don't have the time or opportunity to plate dishes. We're usually plating food in the Pyrex. There's really no styling involved. How do you recommend photographing these dishes to make them look good? Um, to be honest with you, it's gonna be an extra step, but in my opinion, what you would wanna do is, um, if you're making you know, food for the masses, take just a little bit aside, put it aside, and even when you get home, when you have a moment, to take the picture. Instead of trying to take it in the Pyrex, and because you know you want people to know what their experience will be, not necessarily how it's going to be. I mean, there's a there's an appropriate space for how it's going to be delivered as well. You know, I don't want to discount that. Um, but if you want to showcase the dish itself, and you know that it could be a beautiful dish, um, I would say take a little, but set it aside, um, and plan to shoot it a little bit later or before you even walk out the door, whatever the case may be. Um, that would be my recommendation. In terms of um, shooting uh, the whole masses, like say, you know, you're, you're creating like a week's worth of meals and you've got them all lined up and it looks nice. Um, what I think um, the best thing to do is remember your lighting, um, line them up and an angled picture, this is when you don't really want a flat lay and you don't want to come straight on. So you don't want to send it. You actually want to take it and you want to have an angle to it um, so that it looks like the food goes on forever. And you can almost crop out, you know, crop it all out so it's just food and it's just a row of food kind of angling out. Um, and then make sure you edit that picture because that's what I see most on Instagram. It's like if you, if half of the pictures on there that are, you know, food pictures like that, just took out some of those yellows and brightened it up a little bit, you would be shocked at the world of difference <laughs> that it shows, you know, that, that, that it has. So those would be my two suggestions. It's either to put it aside, unfortunately make yourself a little bit more work, but it's worth it in the long run to have a nice picture of a nice dish that you can offer or, you know, or do both. Okay. Chef Kathy asked, how did you do the background in the cake picture? Uh, <laughs> that uh, was taken in my studio. Um, uh, the background is actually, the color here is actually a wood grain, um, this was taken a really long time ago, a wood grain, um, like plastic, like back, you know, like I just needed something that was gonna catch. Um, and I believe this is just poster board, is the black. Um, I can't remember, it's a long time ago, but I know that this, this little bit of color here that ended up, it was sitting on, um, I had to make shift something um, to have it low enough to catch it, the, the angle that I needed. And so, um, it was like a wood green, like plastic something like that I had on hand that I just stuck back there. <laughs> so you would be surprised the craziness that is behind the scenes of these things. <laughs> Fun of being creative, right? Yeah. <laughs> so leave that photo up for a second because the next question uh, from Chef Darlene says, what about the edge of the cake being cut off? Oh, that's a great question. Um, actually in food, um, you kind of want that feeling of it, something going on forever. Um, 
and and you can have that uh, it's an art, artsy thing kind of um there's a time to not have it cut off and there's a time to and it also um goes in with the rule of thirds so if you're trying to catch that yum factor right there that's the third of the picture it's better to have your eyeball there than to catch the whole cake and then if this was just over just a little bit it's not going to be in that thirds and it's going to look off it's going to look funny um I'll actually crop some of my images just for that uh, factor, but I can think of like um, like a flat lay shot that I did of um, uh, a fruit, um, like a fruit cake type thing. It just had all fresh fruit on it lined up. And then in the background <clears throat> underneath, like I had it cropped up. So you have fruit all around on the floor behind it basically, um, or the countertop behind it. and the fruit, you want the fruit to look like it's rolling off the edge, so you cut off some of the fruit. Like you're seeing some of the fruit, and then you're seeing like half of a raspberry, half of a straw, you know, like a teeny piece of a blueberry. So there are times when you want to cut it off. Perfect. And then uh, Chef Mandy asked, what software do you advise for slideshows? Uh, uh, slideshows of what? Like, so my, um, I mean, slideshows, I, you could throw it in PowerPoint. I'm, I'm going to ask Jeff Manny to come back and clarify that one. Yeah, it, it would really depend on the, what you're trying to do with it. Okay. And so we're waiting on that. Chef Heidi says, so this app can be used, on, I'm assuming talking about Lightshop. So this app can be used on a phone or tablet and using photos taken by a phone. Using, yes. So there's a cam, there's a, a button in there to use the, the camera through the Lightroom app. Right. Yeah. Right. So you don't have to necessarily go through your phone app itself to do it. You go right to Lightroom and shoot from there. Yes. And that's what I suggest when you're, and it's a great way to compile just your, um, just the pictures that you really want to like critique um, and keep in a special place because it actually holds them in there too. Um, and make sure that you shut off the feature that auto loads all your pictures into Lightroom. There's um, go into settings when you first um, open it up and there's because it will dump all your pictures from your phone onto that app. You don't necessarily want that. You just want to keep the pictures that you're making nice and editing everybody. And then you save it to your camera roll and you're good to go. Okay. Jeff Joel just gave me a great idea for a future webinar, but I'll ask his question because maybe you can help with that as well. Is there an online class or a real class that you would suggest for me to take in regards to food styling? Um, food styling specifically. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of books about food styling, to be honest with you. Um, let me just look one second. Um, if you want you like YouTube, I would say Joni Simon. Um, and it's called The Bite Shop, B-I-T-E-S-H-O-T. She's a professional food photographer, but she does talk a lot about um, styling as well and lighting and everything I just talked about. I, um, <clears throat> I've used her um, before in the past. 
you know, and, and to that point, I know we've had stylists at our conference in the past. So I think when I, I'm going to tap Vince too, just to see, but I think to Chef Joel's question, that, that would be a great webinar topic too. So cool. Chef Mandy asks, one more question. When taking pics with your phone, Android, how do you feel about using the food filter that comes in with the phone camera software built in? And I think that's an Android specific. I haven't seen it on my iPhone. Yeah, I haven't seen anything like that on the iPhone, but personally, I don't like filters. Um, I actually meant to mention that in the editing portion. So unless you have a very specific style of food that you've already established, in or style of picture that you've already established yourself in your brand, um, I can think of one place in particular that um, no matter what they do, I can tell she always uses a special filter when she takes pictures of her like baked goods. And it's nice, like it, it does the job for them and she takes a decent picture. So I would never tell her don't use that. But unless you've already done that and established that and are really comfortable using it, I don't like filters. I'd say edit your picture and you'll end up having your own style once you start editing things on your phone a little bit. You'll be like, oh, well, I like things a little bit darker. I like things a little bit lighter. Um, and it's a lot better than just slapping a poker on it. You know, it just makes it more personal, too. Great. And then Chef Kathy asks again, what, is, what exactly is the name of the app you were using? Lightroom. Right, Lightroom. And that is available for Android and iPhones both, correct? Yes. And it's, um, it's free on, the, on your phone. Um, in, on your computer, I don't know if it's free on, on iPad. I've never tried to use it on iPad. But on your computer, you actually, it's part of the Adobe suite. Um, so you would have to have, you know, you have to pay for that. But on your phone, it's really cool that they offer it for free. So. I have it on mine, so I know exactly what you're saying. It's yeah. Free. Um, Chef Mandy asks, and what software do you advise to store all these images in? They, do, they can suck up a lot of uh, storage. Um, I personally, um, I use Dropbox for um, storing things like that, going back and forth, because I have it on my phone and <clears throat> on my desktop and online. So it's like, it's all connected so that if I need to grab something off of the computer and I'm on my phone I can do that so that's what I use um there are so many you know platforms out there for storage but if you're not a you know professional photographer you could even have just a free version of Dropbox and um be fine with it you know it works the same um you just get less storage space but if you're not storing like I mean I'm storing thousands and thousands of like raw images then that's when you have to like pay for storage stuff. And it's easy to categorize too. You can create folders and. Yeah. 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 And it's nice because you can do like uh, on your, on your computer, you can have it like my computer is completely, I can't put anything else on my hard drive. <laughs> so I have to, if I need to move a file over to something else, I have to put everything online and you can do that like, you know, just right clicking and you move everything to your Dropbox, but it's still like visible on your desktop. So it's really yeah. nice feature. Nothing like cloud storage. Yeah. <laughs> um, Chef Cheryl asked, do you have an opinion on light boxes for food photos? Oh, I've used those before. Um, I find them 
now I find them difficult to use because like I feel like it's like I'm like stretching the mini. But I don't I don't have I think that's great way to play with lighting and to start to understand how to light things. Um, and um, yeah, I think that's great. Cool. Chef Mandy came up with the clarification on slideshows. He's asking about slideshows the food picks of different stages of a certain picture. So if I want to make a slideshow of this to show the making of a certain dish or a slideshow of my types of dishes that I cook within the personal chef services. Okay. Um, so if you're making a slideshow for like um, Instagram or something like that, I would think just blow those images up. But if you're doing it for your website, um, <clears throat> I would think it depends on what kind of website you have. Um, but I would think you can do a slideshow within the pictures on the platform that you have. I know with mine, like it just has a running slideshow. I would think you would want to do that um, instead of using like an external, I could say use like um, CloudSpot is what I use for my, um, my images, like my image galleries, and you can do a slideshow on there. Um, so, I mean, it, it would be hard to say. It's hard to know when I don't know the software. Okay, that's fair. And maybe if we, if we come up with something, I can always push it out to the members at some point. Yeah, I, I'm, like, I mean, for me, in, in my mind, I would say if she's, if she's talking about like doing a blog post, I would say put the images into your, um, into your thing. And if you want to do a slideshow, you just select the multiple image slideshow within your blog post. And, and just put it within the posting itself. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do an external one. Um, I don't feel like that would be, it's an extra step for people to look at it. I don't think that they would. Great. And Chef Carla asks, when plating food, do you strongly recommend white plates most times or can certain colors and designs be used with certain backgrounds? Um, so you have to be really careful if you want to use a design. Designs I don't recommend, especially especially when you're using like a phone and not get the thing. Um, I suggest white because it's the easiest thing to work with in terms of basic photography. Um, but you could do something like, um, like I'm getting ready to shoot a um, chicken, like a roasted chicken, and I'm going to use like a black slate uh, background to give it a really dark and, you know, use yellow lemons and, you know, so, so there are times to use, it just depends on the style of photo that you want. Um, but I suggest starting with white because I think it's the easiest thing to start with to learn. And then you can kind of expand from there. But I don't recommend patterns. Like patterns do not help your photo at all. Very true. I was doing a TV thing a couple of weeks ago and our team was chiding me because I wasn't thinking and I had a checked shirt on. And you know, they, they don't play well with, with high def cameras. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true for people too. Patterns, you know, it just doesn't it's hard because it's distracting to the eye. So yeah. it's simple as possible. But yeah, I would say, say starting with white is the best. And it's usually what everybody has on hand anyway. Um, I don't suggest using like a yellow plate for pretty much anything, unless you've got like a blueberry cobbler or something that's going to have blue and white, you know, that can 
really do the opposite of that yellow. And then you have to just be careful about your colors more than anything, what you're contrasting it with. Awesome. I'll throw a couple of thank yous in here before our last couple of questions. Um, first one, Chef Laura McDowell says, thanks, Amanda. Great to see you again. Wonderful tips. I can't wait to try my new photo app. <laughs> and then from Chef Kathy, Kathy Ferrara, she says, thanks, Amanda, for the overview. I'll look forward to reviewing the slides in more detail and taking a look at your website. She had to end her session a bit early to hop on a call. Um, but I did want to add a couple more here. Um, and Chef Jacob Lewis was asking, Lucas, you can tell it's getting late when I start misreading everything. Um, can you update where to download this particular app? And I think we said it would be in the Apple Store or in Google's uh, Google Play, I think it is, or whatever their store is. But then the other question he has, if the pictures are saved on file, are the pictures saved on files where they backed up so it's not lost? And I think it's the auto save feature that you would have. And I guess, how does that work perhaps in, in Lightroom? So Lightroom has its own storage. So um, uh, like I said, I, I actually made the mistake of import, you know, having that automatic import where it took my camera roll images and was like dumping them into Lightroom. That was terrible. Um, but instead, um, it actually saves, so it's not on your camera roll. So you're, sa you're saving your particular Lightroom photo in, the, in that app, and then you can export it. And there's a lot of different ways to export it. You can export it in different sizes too, which is nice. So, um, so yeah, uh, it saves it in its own little space, and then you can export it to your camera roll to then put it into Instagram or Facebook. Okay, a couple more questions. I know we're a little bit over time here. You have a couple more minutes? Yeah, I'm fine. Okay, I want to make my sure. This one actually went back. My boys are okay. playing so they're, they're on their own. <laughs> gotcha. Um, and and we, this one came a little bit after we finished the set first session, so it kind of takes us back to the personal branding. But Chef Bill says, my brand is hard to pronounce. I think people are intimidated to try it. It's Boa Cazina, if I pronounced it right. So I, I think he's just trying to figure out you know, is this an issue if you have a hard pronunciation with your personal brand or your business brand? And, and really it's about the name. Well, my, uh, my maiden name is DeVivo and everyone and their brother used to say DeVito, you know, like Annie DeVito with the T. And, um, and I love my maiden name because it's Italian and it's, you know, it's, it's traditional and, and, but nobody could ever pronounce it. And I almost used it for, because it's, also shorter than Richardson, and the length of my name now bugs the crap out of me. <laughs> like I hate that it's so long, but I but it's easier to pronounce. So I hear him like I understand what he's saying. Um, that's why I ended up not using my maiden name because um, I went by my maiden name when I had my other two businesses, and I I was so sick of people mispronouncing it. <laughs> And I think it speaks to the fact that brand is so much more than just name, too, right? I think that's what you're, you're driving home. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, another comment, and I'm going to switch back to the last couple of questions. It says, from Je Chef Jessica, thank you so much. So many great tips and tricks. So oh, it's good. nice one there. And uh, let me get down here and make sure I get the last few questions where I left off. Chef Heidi says, thank you. Um, okay, so here we go, Chef Mandy. If you are... Uh, if you were to purchase a camera to take good pics, what camera would you suggest? Uh, I shoot with Sony, 
personally. Um, and so, and there's a great, you can get a mirrorless um, Sony camera. It's, uh, the A6000 is what I actually started on. Um, and um, we, it's, I want to say uh, I got mine for five or six hundred dollars and then I bought a um, 50 millimeter 1.8 lens for like 300 so all in all it was like a, almost a thousand dollar purchase um, but that would get you started and I mean that would Take these pictures for you. Perfect. Well, just to close this out for the night, a few more thank yous. Uh, from Chef Kathy, thank you so much. Such great information. From Chef Mandy, thank you so much for all the suggestions and guidance. And Chef Joel Shaw, thank you very much. So I think with that, we'll close it out for tonight. Um, oh, wait a minute. A few more thank yous. Um, we'll throw them in here as well. Chef Paula says, grazie. You, you, you spoke yeah. the Italians in the group. So you can tell her uh, prego. Um, then we have uh, Chef Beverly, thank you for the information. And Chef Chris, uh, thanks a million. So for every, all the members, again, this was all recorded. So we will certainly be uh, editing it later on tonight. Rob gets the fun editing responsibilities. And then uh, we'll push it over to Vince and he'll have it up on the I Am A Personal Chef uh, Facebook group. So if anybody wants to go back. And this is really important because... I know we, we kind of pressured Amanda to get through this. When we talked the other day and I said, I'm, I'm going to push this out the 90 minutes. And she said, really? And I said, oh, trust me, the members are going to ask questions. And, and I think we're at almost like 100 minutes at this point, And that's okay. That's but, fine. but it's a great opportunity to come back and review it. Did anybody get drunk? Because I said, um, so my, my son actually told me before we started, before I started, it was a walk in the dog with him. He's like, yeah, I noticed on your Instagram story you say, I'm like, great. <laughs> it is a hard, hard habit to break. Um, as a quick sidebar before we go off, um, in the early stages of the COVID, I had to fly up to New York to do a series of uh, television interviews on all these different morning shows around the country. So literally, I'm stuck in a studio staring at a, at a TV camera lenses, no teleprompters or anything. And, you know, my little earpiece says, in 30 seconds, we're going to talk to Amanda from W. Okay. You know, now I'm memorizing Amanda, pretending to talk to the lens. But in, the, in, in that, you're kind of having this conversation in your head to avoid things like, um, 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 um. And it's just like, I got to crank these things out like this. It is a hard, hard habit to break. So don't apologize. You've done good, as we say. <laughs> well, but, you know, I'm more comfortable behind the camera usually. So these are, but it's good to go outside with them. I can appreciate that. But, but again, Amanda, thank you so much. Um, on behalf yeah, of you, this is great. I, I hope this certainly encourages people to come out to the conference next year, because if you think you got something tonight from Amanda, wait. And of course, she's accessible. This is what she does for a living. So this little taste tonight is something that um, we'll have her, her contact information up on our site. So if you need to reach out and you want to spend some time with her in more detail and helping you get your pictures straight, because really, if you think about the fact the quality of your pictures and speaking to the brand, the name's important, but it's everything behind it and the stories. So all the things that she talked about tonight really are critical to your business. And you know, again, if things are slower right now, it's a great time to really focus on that. So as we turn the corner, there's an opportunity to come out stronger than ever before. Yeah, the images really weave together the personal branding once you start really looking at it and, and um, really drilling it down. It, it, 
makes a huge yeah. difference. But um, there's on the slides, the last slide, I put my contact info and everything. And, okay. Um, you know, there I can do like a two-hour session in advance of doing photos, or if that's something that you know, they want to do. So, Perfect. And if you have something you want me to push out to the members, get it to me, and, and we'll have a special offer or something. That's that's all up to you. I'll leave that to you, but I'd be happy to push that out for you. Okay, great. All right. All right. Well, again. Amanda Richardson, thank you so much for your time tonight. Uh, to all of our members who stuck with us, hopefully I think a lot of people got a lot of good information. Uh, we're working on our next webinar, so I'll be ready to announce that very shortly. You know, it's, it's always, as, as Amanda was getting to yes, and then, uh, but then we have fun once we get to yes, so it's a good thing. So, Great. Amanda, thanks again, and enjoy the rest of the evening, and say hi to the dogs. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> all right. I'm so good night, sorry. everybody. Yeah. Take care. Thank you. All right, bye. <laughs> bye. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to check out the show notes where you can learn more about Amanda and the photo techniques that you heard about today. Thanks again and happy cooking.